Welcome to our chat online. This is our Tuesday edition. Yeah. Yeah. Twice a week We've moved up in the world. We're now doing two podcasts a week. We'll upload every Tuesday morning and Friday late afternoon. Yeah, late afternoon to evening sometime on Friday. So, twice a week you get to hear our opinion and thoughts on things. Today we got a really, really good show for you. We're going to be talking really serious on a serious subject, which is breast cancer, and on a subject that is serious, but a lot of fun too. We're going to talk about drivers on the road and the 18-wheelers, and we got a we got Steve, an 18-wheeler, a real, a real driver, is going to join us. And a real breast cancer survivor. And a real breast cancer survivor. Stage 3C breast cancer. We want to welcome Cindy into our podcast now, our chat online. Cindy, how are you? I'm great. How are you this morning, Jeff? I'm doing good. Um, you're you're in Alabama, aren't you? Alabama, yes, I am. How's weather down in Alabama right now? Uh, hot, hot <laughs> as Hades. That's what I heard. I mean, we yeah. you know we were always over 100 out here, so I guess we're supposed to be used to it. But it has just been. This is going to be a rough summer. It is. It's so humid. I think the humidity is what makes it feel like it's even hotter. Oh, well, see, we don't have that out here. It's that dry heat out here. Uh, yeah. And then people say it's that humid. all the time. Yeah, we got a dry heat, but I'm going to tell you what, 110 degrees, whether it's dry heat, humid heat, whatever it is, 110 is hot. So that's Still what we do. makes you sweat. <laughs> Yep. See, there's the weird thing. Uh-huh. Out here, you don't yep. sweat. You go out in 110 Whoa, degrees. Really? That's the difference with the dry heat and humidity. We actually, you can go outside and in 110 degrees, be out there 30 minutes and sweat zero. But it's still like oh, walking into an here. oven. Yeah, it's like being inside an oven. That's the exact feeling in the oven, that mm-hmm. kind of intense heat. Well, so. here it's like walking into a steamer when you come in out, going outside from indoors and that moist heat hits you, it's immediate sweat. Oh, it's well, immediate. That's good for Go you. Home and train a nice steam bath Woo. every day is helpful. <laughs> that makes you mm. want to take a shower, though, I would think. Mm-hmm, it does. Um, we've got Cindy on the show today because we're actually, uh, we joke around, we talk about a lot of wild things on the show. We're going to actually be serious for a moment. Something that is serious, which is breast cancer. Cindy is a breast cancer survivor. Congratulations. Thank you so much. But now, Really, Danny, you should be handling this 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 show because you know you. I'm sure you're the nurse and you know more about this. But I do have a couple no, of. I'm a nurse, but I I deal with babies. That's different from. I do have cancer. a couple of questions in um, before we get into facts. You know about breast cancer in general. How did you find out you had breast cancer? Well, I had a mammogram, uh, but it it was it still slipped up on me. Um. I was diagnosed with stage four invasive ductal carcinoma oh. on Valentine's Day of 2012. Mm. Um, a couple of months prior to that, well, I, I, it was in November of 2011, I did feel a tiny lump on the right side. It was my right breast, and it was to the right of my nipple, and it was about the size of a pencil eraser. As a matter of fact, that's what it felt like. It wasn't painful. It was movable. Um, I really didn't think anything about it. You know, I thought, well, 
I have lots of lymph nodes there. It has mm-hmm. to be a lymph node swollen. You know, a couple of weeks later, it wasn't even there. I didn't feel it. So I thought, you know, well, it was nothing, you know, whatever it was passed. Later on, I found out my oncologist had told me that um, when I felt that lump, it was contained inside of a milk duct. When I didn't feel it anymore, which was only a couple of weeks later, it had grown too large and ruptured the milk duct. And that's when it had spread and it was a very aggressive type cancer and um again this was later on after i'm in remission you know he told me that um had i not gone ahead and got that regular mammogram all of my mammograms are always in february that i probably wouldn't have lived six months because that's how aggressive that it was and i was a perfectly normal, healthy person. All right. So I don't don't want to really, you know, like, I don't want to ask stupid questions, but in this particular instance, I don't know a whole lot about this. You found this on your own, just typical, just, you know, you felt it. I did. And that that was the beginning. I mean, so that was when it actually started. Right. And then, and then it was gone. And then I didn't feel it anymore. That's correct. Two weeks later, it was gone. Yeah. I would have thought like, everything's good. I would have thought like you, that was a lymph node and it's, it's better now. And not thought anything of it. Yep. I was married at the time, you know, and I had told my husband about it. He said, well, you might need to go have it checked out. But then when I didn't feel it anymore, I was like, well, it's gone. You know, I have a mammogram scheduled in February. My mammogram was actually February the 13th. That's when the mammogram was. I go in that day. Um, the tech does the mammogram. She starts with the right side. And when it pops up on the screen, I could see it. I was like, holy, I'm not going to say that word so on even air. You, anyway, you could see it yourself on the mammogram. Oh, it was very visible. I mean, I've had mammograms for a while. Right. You know, so I knew on the screen if something was not normal, you could see it. And then she did the left breast and then she went right back to the right side the doctor come in and she told me that um there was something there they wanted to do an ultrasound because it could be a cyst so she worked me in for the ultrasound the doctor did it herself and then um she said it's not this is not a cyst we need to do a biopsy so she sent me to get something to eat and drink, come back in an hour. We did the biopsy. She worked me in those two procedures, and she said, I'll just need you to come back tomorrow for your results. So I went back the next day, and, yeah, hit me like a ton of bricks. So it was like boom, boom, boom. That happened. One day? Yeah, that happened real fast, huh? Within 24 hours. And because it was so aggressive, we had to treat it aggressively. Three weeks later, I was in the hospital having, uh, I had bilateral mastectomies, which that I had them remove both breasts. Because the type cancer it was, it wasn't a matter of if it comes back, it was a matter of when it comes Mm. back. Because because it was estrogen receptor positive. Estrogen receptor um, cancer affects female organs 
like reproductive organs. I had already had a hysterectomy, so I didn't have to worry about that. But it definitely would have come back to the other breast. So as uh, prophylactic, I had the left breast removed. Mm. But within three weeks from my diagnosis, I had bilateral mastectomies. That was in March. And in April, I started chemotherapy, 16 weeks of chemotherapy. And then I had 39 radiation treatments, two blood transfusions, a total of 10 surgeries across my chest. <laughs> oh, wow. And I'm still alive. You know, that, yeah. that's amazing because you hear about breast cancer. You, know, you hear about it all the time. But holy crap, I never knew there was that much involved. I mean, what is. Oh, they, there's they re- so many. There's. They remove your breast. That's that, and I get that 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 some people have that done, but so even after that, you still have all the chemo and radiation and more surgeries. Yes, yes. Wow. It was a total of even though I was in remission the same year in October when I finished my radiation and had my PET scan, I was in remission, and that was in October of 2012 in the same year, but. The reconstruction process took a total of three years to complete. And on top of that, because it was very aggressive, my treatment plan for maintenance was a 10-year regimen instead of a five-year. Most most people, depending on the diagnosis and the type cancer, they have a three to, to five-year maintenance therapy. I have a 10-year maintenance therapy, and I will be finished with it in October of this year. Well, well there you go. Congratulations. That is, that's awesome. Yep. Wow. So a lot of people don't realize, though, that there are so many different types of cancer. Some are very aggressive, where some are not. And it really depends on how early you catch it. Even the most aggressive cancers can be caught early right you know what i'm saying but even if it's caught very early the treatment plan afterwards i mean that could last a long time you know and and another thing is staying healthy after you've had cancer is very important because you know i mean it's um you definitely don't want to go back through anything like that right but at the same time self-care is very important so so do you have like a special diet or something or do you exercise what do you do as far as self-care i try not i try to eat things that are like since it was estrogen since i was estrogen receptor positive i have to take a hormone blocker which means i have to stay away from hormones i have to stay away from estrogen Okay, so like when I grocery shop, for example, I in the dairy, of course, so dairy and chicken and stuff like that, I try to purchase things that are hormone free. Mm. You know, okay, um, yeah, yeah, that's right. I see yeah. that on the package uh-huh. sometimes, yeah. and that's what the purpose yeah. of that is. Okay, right. I eat a lot of organic or try to, you know, I try to eat. I try to eat as healthy as I possibly can, but being in the field that I'm in, that I work in, sometimes that's not always so, but I do try to watch the things that I eat, um, you know, the things that I ingest in my body, because those are, those cause can't, uh, that causes cancer. Right. It really does. <laughs> well, let me ask you this. How are you now? I mean, how, 
how are you now? Everything is 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 good. Absolutely wonderful. I couldn't be better. Yes. Wow. But you went through a lot to get yeah. there. I did. I give God all the glory for that. But I mean, it was an experience. And I tell a lot of people, especially the families that I mentor, the first thing is we all know that they say that there's no cure for cancer, but it is fixable. It's fixable. Right. Okay. Sometimes it's, you know, where it's a quick fix or it might be something a little bit longer. Support groups and having a mentor. Oh, my gosh, that is what I did. And if it wasn't for the ladies that surrounded me with love, encouragement and support and the women of hope, um, it is a group of women um, that just support you through your journey. They've been there. They've been where you are. And your families may not know what to say to you, what to do for you, how to care for you. But these ladies do. Well, let but. me let me ask you this. I mean, just from, okay. you know, before we started recording, we both looked a little bit online, so we at least have an idea what we're talking about. And, and the way it talked online is like, if you're actually diagnosed with stage four breast cancer, the survival rate is low. It is. And I say stage four, it was actually stage three C, three that's just below stage four, okay? Well, I've that means it was already yeah. <laughs> that doesn't sound good either. Yeah. No, it's stage three C, which means it was already it had spread from my breast into my lymph nodes. Or it could have already been in my lymph nodes and spread to my breast and then when the little tumor ruptured, it could have been going somewhere else. In any event, it had already spread. Oh, so we, we actually, then we don't know if it started lymph nodes. There, there's no way to know that. Like what no, you're saying, it we could have went started. either way. Okay, okay. Yeah, but I did have the uh, lymph nodes removed. So I have no lymph nodes under my armpit. Um, and again, not all of them showed cancer, but just because we didn't know where it was at, they were removed. Absolutely. You, know, you, don't, you don't want to leave started. one in there. Yeah. That has a little, no. that, yeah, that, that started us all over again. Wow. Now, if you don't right. mind me asking, how old were you when this? I was 47 when I was diagnosed. And you hear 47. more than that, um, you know, people in their 40s being diagnosed now. And younger and a lot younger. Uh, this has got to be a you scary, know, it's got to be a scary time. It was the absolute worst Thing I believe I could go through physically, mentally, and emotionally in my life. But at the same time, it was the best experience because of the people that it put me in touch with that I have made forever families with, you know. You know, and while we, we talk sisterhood and stuff, but hey, brothers, breast cancer can be admitted. I mean, absolutely. So it's not right. something you can sit back and listen to and think, well, I don't have to worry about that. It happens. That's right. I know there is a local gentleman here in in my town. Um, well, actually, he moved a city over now. He had breast cancer in both breasts. So mm. I mentored him. So, yeah. And how did he do? Is he on the road to recovery as well? Or Oh, yeah, he's fine. He's fine. Um, his wasn't as, well, I can't say not as traumatic because I don't know what he went through mentally. But I know that he had a family, you know, he had a girlfriend, he had a mama that he takes care of and stuff like that. And he was just so distraught. You know, he was just like, I don't know 
how do, how did I get this? You know, how anybody can. We haven't dealt with it, but now, Dana, you did. You have a... Uh, well, I had a little... A lump, right, but a they, scare, they yeah. did a biopsy. Uh-huh. You got as far as them doing a biopsy yeah. before they found out it was... A cyst. A cyst. But it scared me. Right. I mean, I was 30 and... Uh, yeah. yeah. You, you know, all you can think is, oh my gosh, you know, this is something serious. Until here. you get those results back. Yeah. Until you get those results back, you can't sleep, you can't eat, you can't focus. Uh, yeah. It's awful. Was there ever any, for you, was there throughout the process, other than the procedures they're doing in the hospital, was it ever painful? Was, you know, did you deal with pain? In the beginning, I mean, the surgeries and stuff like that, I'm not going to say were a breeze, but I dealt with them fine. Right. It was the, um, when I started my chemotherapy, the day I would have my chemotherapy, I would feel wonderful. I would be energetic, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And that and the next day, but like from day three through day five, no, I was in the bed. It was a lot of bone pain. It was a lot of headaches. It was just a lot of like. But now this was the, this was the result. This was the chemo causing all this. Yes. It was the chemo. Okay. The chemotherapy is poison. I mean, it right. goes in and it is literally killing off pretty much everything. Then um, on Saturdays, the Saturday after I had my chemo, I would go back to the cancer center and they would give me a new Lasta shot. And I was like, well, what is this for? And they said, well, it goes in. It's like a little bird that goes in and it picks up all the good cells. Anything that's not bad, it picks it up and it pulls it back up so that you'll have a little bit of an immune system. And, and so that's what the new Lasta does. But, you know, it got to the point where the chemotherapy was so strong. I mean, it just ate up everything. And that's why I had to have blood transfusions. Then definitely there's a reason why you hear every month, you know, to uh, do this monthly thing. I mean, you should be feeling you should be looking for those the exact little uh, knot that you found. I mean, we, we, yeah. everybody, and this includes men. Come on, everybody needs to be looking for these things. Men. Yeah. Yes, um, anything that feels abnormal, even if it looks abnormal, you know, the shape of your breast, um, the color of the nipple or the areola, um, if if you develop any sore spots or changes in the skin color around your breast or or ripples or dimples you right. know or anything like that anything that doesn't look like it used to or feel like it used to but now you you would not you felt yours and then it went away if you would not have had your mammogram in february which that was you know that was already set up so I mean, that had nothing mm-hmm. to do with feeling that if you would have just had a mammogram you know two months before that you would have not thought any more about it would you since it disappeared i mean you know it was gone I would have never thought anything else about it, no. So you were just actually lucky that your mammogram was coming up. Yeah. Yep. There you go. And if it was, you know, a month or so earlier, maybe it would have been caught. And I might have just had to have a lumpectomy, you know, or something like that. But, um, yeah, it was after the fact, so. Okay. We appreciate you uh, sharing your story with us. And, and, and again, we just got to encourage people. This is something you got to look out for, men and women. You yes. Know, you know, you're supposed to get the mammograms. What age do those normally start at? Did They used to I say 40, but I don't know 40. if that's I, yeah. since changed Well, that's or when not. I started. Right. Well, that's when I started getting mine um, at 40. But I had a hysterectomy at the age of 39. 
you know, and so at 40 is when he wanted me to start having the mammogram having the mammograms anyway because I had a hysterectomy and when you have a hysterectomy and I was not taking I did not take hormones hormone replacement at the time so he recommended you know that I have a mammogram at 40 so that's when I started mine and then there you go Um, I meant to ask you one other thing do you have a family history of breast cancer no uh, really well not a breast cancer no not a breast cancer um now my father's mother she battled cancer for years before it took her life and she just refused treatment but it was not breast cancer as far as the women or men in my family, nobody really ever had any cancer screenings. My mom never had a mammogram. My grandmother, my grandmothers never did. I have a whole ball team of sisters and a daughter and granddaughter. So when I had breast cancer, I was like, I need to know if this is genetic. Right. I could be the first one in my family, you know, since I had breast cancer, I wanted to know for my family, is this something that they need to be aware of or is everybody good? And it's not something that my insurance paid for. It's called the BRCA genetic testing, B-R-C-A. It wasn't expensive. I mean, it cost me a couple of hundred dollars, but it was a worth my pe- it was worth my peace of mind, and it came back negative. So I, it is not genetic, right? Thankfully, so we're all good with that. Mine was just um, I was estrogen receptor positive when I when I finally did start taking hormones at the age of forty seven. Actually, at the age of forty six, I started taking hormones in August of 2011 i found the lump in november i was diagnosed in february so i was estrogen estrogen receptor positive well you know what we we really appreciate you we want to let's hear it for cindy because look she kicked cancer's butt (laughs) that's that's pretty good now we had a champion on the phone with us cindy we appreciate you coming on and uh, telling us your story and it's just you know we tell everybody to uh, this is something you gotta look out for it just it just it just popped up on her that little you know yeah pencil eraser not started all this one day it's there and the next day it's not yep yeah Mm. so that's what you do dana and every time you're taking a shower from now on You'll be looking for that or anything abnormal. Right. Cindy, we, we really do appreciate you. We uh, want to thank you for being on the show, but we also want to, uh, you know, say congratulations. I mean, exactly. I thank you. So. Thank you for having me. And if it can, you know, if if anybody can take one thing from what I said and it saves one person's life, then I've done my job. Absolutely. exactly. Cindy, yep. have a great day. We appreciate you talking with us. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Dana. Y'all have a good day. Thank you. We want to welcome onto the show tonight a new guest. We've got Steve. Steve, how are you? Hey, I'm good. How are you doing? Doing good. And of course, along with Steve, we've got our our favorite guest, Ben. Hey, Ben, what's up? Good afternoon, guys. How, how's everybody? We're we're doing good. But you know, wait, am I not the favorite? I thought I was the favorite of this little trio here. Oh no. Well, I mean, okay. It's sorry, Ben. You're number three. <laughs> He'd be number Guys two. and gals, then. Yeah. Okay. 
We, not long ago on the podcast, were talking about a uh, ride that we've made quite a bit between Las Vegas and Reno, uh, up 95, Mm -hmm. which is a little two-lane through the middle of the desert up there. We're talking about how bad the drivers are in the RVs and some of the big trucks that are on that road. Um, Steve, you drive one of those trucks, don't you? Yeah, I've been driving a tanker for about 22 years now. Okay. So, have you have you ever? Do you drive in a certain area? Do you do you come out this way out near Vegas? No, I don't. I don't come out that way. But I do a lot of uh, down south towards uh, Mississippi and Alabama, up north, up into Michigan. Okay, some East Coast stuff. Do you run into uh, a bunch of uh, idiot drivers? Oh, of course. It's, it's, <laughs> it's every day. It's it's people in cars just cutting in front of you slamming on their brakes uh we have motion detectors in our truck that if you slam on your brakes too hard the alarms go off cameras go off you get points on your uh you know with the company that you stop too hard but you can't help it it's either it's either you stop too hard or uh you uh you know run into back yeah I, i think the company would rather have some alarms and cameras going off than uh you know smash into the vehicle in front of you of course and um you know they uh they just don't care they they you know if they're going to get off at the next uh exit ramp yeah they'll they'll jeopardize their life and their family's life to get five seconds up the road to to cut in front of you to slam on the brakes to get off the exit all right well for, you know one, one thing question. we got to do though data first of all I mean, we got to thank the people like steve yeah we uh you know stores are out of things and you know i mean and all all these truck drivers are the ones that's trying their best to get the stuff to us so before we get into to you know because we're coming after you for a second steve about something in a minute so i want to want to thank you before we start that um go ahead dana well i have one question so Let's say I'm on the road and you're driving and there's maybe two or three of you lined up. Can you guys like talk to each other and say, hey, there's this little girl. She wants to get around all three of us here. Like, is that a thing or no? Yeah. As a driver for 22 years, you think you have courtesy and you talk to talk to other drivers. But the younger generation that's coming up in the trucking, they don't care. Okay. They, they're cowboys, and, and they're going to do it their way, and they don't care with, that, a, that a guy that's got the experience, uh, you know, hey, can you back off a little bit so I can get around you? Or, hey, I'll back off and let you get around me. They, they're going to do what they want to do, and it's aggravating for myself, too. Right. I mean, I, I actually can see that. Some of the younger truck drivers, well, but it's not just in trucking. Well, I, I mean, was that's just say, the that's world. Just the world in general seems to be that way. My my question for you would be this: I'm using this 95 as an example. You may not have been on it, but it's a two lane. It goes for hundreds of miles. There's just nothing there. It's um, just like open desert. That's yeah, all. Just open desert. Um, now I had uh, some truck drivers that I would I would be behind them, and I, I don't know. Are you limited on the speed you can go? I mean. You know, are they intentionally going 50? I mean, it, how does that work? Well, not, not 50. Uh, most most carriers are at the minimum 63 to 65. Uh, an owner-operator that owns his own truck don't have that issue. They can go as fast as they want. They just got to, you know, pay the price if they get a speeding ticket. Right. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, it's like, it's just sometimes, and you, you're going to be able to answer this. You're on the interstate. If I get off of that 95 and I'm on the interstate, what is the deal? I, I need to, to pass, not because I'm doing 90 miles an hour, but basically just the speed limit. But sometimes 
it's it's the big this big truck that will get over right in front of me to pass five other big trucks and and now it it, it takes thirty minutes for him to get around those big. Why do you do that? You know, uh, why not wait for me to just? Where's our little crickets? <laughs> our little cricket. Straight answer is just just being a jerk. So it is. They, they, it is that sometimes. I mean, because it's like you know, I'm actually coming up. I, I'm almost beside the big truck, and and suddenly he does put a turn signal on, but it's it's like a half second, and he whips over. You know, if you would have given me like honestly six more seconds, I would have been around you and hadn't run everybody. But now he's going to ride along behind, right beside these other trucks, and I realize he's trying to get around them. But you would now have twenty cars lined up behind you. As a personally myself, um, if I can't get around with somebody in a reasonable amount of time, I just stay back there. It's frustrating because uh, the way our trucks are set up, I would drop down to 50, 58, 60 miles an hour. And I just have to stay there until I get a good break in the traffic to get around them. But I go back to the whole courtesy thing. People just don't care. It's, it's on the road. It's at the truck stops. There's guys that will. We have to take a mandatory thirty minute break in an eight hour period, and guys will will get fuel and not even get fuel. They'll park in the fuel lane and and take their thirty minute break. Mm, gotcha. And you say something to them, they they basically give you the finger and tell you. you well, know, I got something to say. Go ahead, Ben. Well, what I want to know, uh, Steve, uh, because I drive a four wheeler, you drive an eighteen wheeler. Why the hell does all the four wheel or why does the hell does all the eighteen wheelers have to take up every lane of the interstate and I gotta set I gotta step behind them for two miles until until they can poke around somebody so I can so I can get my so I can get my party back to going. And and, and I, I can see the frustration on everybody because as a truck driver, I, I get into the same situation. It, it it comes down to the individual that's driving the truck. They don't care about anybody's time, and they they're going to take it up. Steve, are you on a time limit or a time frame? Like, if I don't know, what are you carrying in your truck? Um, I carry mostly oil to like steel plants. Okay. Uh, to, so, do to, you you have a make, certain amount of time? Like, you have to get there in this amount of time, or I don't know. Do they dock your pay, or how does that work? No, they, you start your day off, you start your day off with, with 11 hours of driving. You can drive 11 hours and you can work 14 and you got to take that 30 minute mandatory break within the eight hours. So how did they know if you don't take it or the cameras? Well, we have a, we have a logging system in our truck. It's a computer and it logs everything you do. So you have to physically stop the truck because they know if the truck is moving your, my, my company knows everything that truck does. They can track it from the moment I get into it until the moment I, I shut it off and get out the door that night. Hmm. They know everything. Okay. And, it, and it's true for about 98% of the trucks on the road now. You see the big Snyder, uh, Swift, Prime, yep. all of them. They're, they're all monitored like that. And they, they, have them, they have them, you know, 63, 65 miles an hour. And they want to make it slower. The government wants to make it slower, and it's just going to cause a problem. Yeah, I'm not for that. But okay, and now we and we've talked to you like you know about. And I'm not saying every truck driver is bad. Like I was talking about 95. 95 is also full of these stupid RVs and travel trailers. Now, I, 
even the even the big trucks, even the 18-wheelers are trying to get around those things. They're going so slow. But I have come across a few. This has happened a few times where I'll be behind a big 18-wheeler. And it's, it, you know, they're big. It's hard to see around them. But, you know, they'll know you're behind them because you keep getting over to see if there's traffic coming. And I have had a few, which I told Dana, like, was really nice, where they would, you know, turn on their blinker for a second to let me know. That it's clear. Hmm, I've that never had just, that happen. That's amazing. I mean, that I, I love those because they understand what I'm trying to do back there, and I can't see around them. So there are some good ones out there. Yeah, there, there, there's definitely good ones. I mean, if you if you watch if you watch in the evening when when trucks are are on the road and a truck passes another truck, you'll you'll see them flash his lights at him. Yep. It'd just be just for a second, and that will just tell that driver in front of him. Hey, it's it's good to go. You know, you come on over so you're not blocking up traffic. People still do that, but it, it's getting to be few and far between. Okay, that was my question, but that is something that is not happening as much as it used to, I guess. I mean, the new truck drivers aren't that way. This whole generation of drivers, they don't even know how to back up. They don't know how to drive a, I can drive a, I can drive a 10 speed. I can drive a, uh, an 18 speed. I can drive a 13 speed. Okay. I can drive an automobile. Their training can't even drive a stick shift. But I'm sure their pay is probably starting out just as well, high, if not more than what you're making. Yeah, yeah, it is. And then uh, they come right out of uh, there's there's many many a truck or many companies out there that are advertising right now. $100,000 a year for a truck driver coming out right out of school. I see that on TV all the time, like that they're paying such big money looking for new drivers, and they'll train you. They'll send you to, to whatever training there is. Yeah, most most of the companies like that, you have to work for them for two or three years. You have to sign a contract that you'll stay there and work for them while you while you pay back your training. Because it's, it's not cheap to get your CDL. It's about, uh, I don't know, six 7000 maybe maybe closer to 10000 now. It's been, you know... Right. A long time since I've had with it. Hey, when I'm going somewhere and it's a holiday weekend, like Christmas is coming up or it's Thanksgiving or like 4th of July weekend here, will you truck drivers just stay off the damn road and let us have them? <laughs> but Ben, if he stays off the road. <laughs> just stay home. Just stay the hell home. Let us have the road. Let us, well, let us kill each other. Why, why don't the four-wheelers stay off the road? But, you know, you guys are trying to get to where you want to go and we're just trying to do our job. You know, we, we're out here trying to make a living. You know, everybody's got families. We've got kids. we got wives and what have you to, to, to put food on the table. And if those tires are not turning, we're not, not, we're making, not making any money. Right. Not making no money. Yeah. We have guys that can take a trip that really only speak, supposed to take two, two days, and it takes them two and a half days because they like to stop, get out, walk around. If that door opens, you just it slows you down. Right. Ben, you sound like you've had some bad experiences with uh, truckers. Yeah, let's just say um, I have to hold great restraint. <laughs> uh, no. Ben, do you have any uh, road rage? Ben, Ben doesn't have road rage. I just can't imagine that. Well, listen, my wife, she won't let me because if she's in the car with me and 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 I uh, look over at somebody real hard, she says, don't do that. Don't do that. They might have a gun. Might right? Have a gun. Nowadays, they will shoot you. I hear, that all, I hear that all the time. I'll blow the horn at somebody and Dana's like, stop that. <laughs> Yeah, because yeah, you so, don't know uh, about people. You know, I can drive yeah, down right. the road and have 10 uh, cars pass me. And probably out of those 10 cars, you have probably, I would say, half of them on their cell phone. 
Now that yeah. that's an absolute yeah. problem. That to me is is that's as bad as as DUI. These people sit with that that phone in their hand and they're looking down at it. And you're on the road all the time, so you would see it more than us. I mean, they will be driving. 80 miles an hour and looking straight down at that telephone. I saw a billboard that said, if you're texting, who's driving? Yeah, it's dangerous. Yeah. But let me yeah, ask- You can tell when somebody's texting because you're driving down the highway and they'll be they'll slow down to 50 miles an hour. <laughs> and they're going back and forth. We see that. And, they, and, and then, bam, they hit that gas and they're, they're blown by you. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, you drive, you're on the road all the time. And, you know, we've had our complaints and we've told you what, you know, what pisses us off about some of the big trucks. And again, we're not saying all of them, but, you know, the little things. And I'm sure there's the same things that same thing happens to you when you're in your car driving. But what is it that really gets to the truck drivers? What is it that's dangerous for you? We talked earlier about how somebody slams on the brakes, but I see that kind of thing. If you watch YouTube and stuff where they will intentionally cut a truck off, and then start slamming on the brakes going down the road. I mean, what are the things that you think the people that are just driving your four-wheel vehicles need to know when they get out on these interstates? biggest thing as, as my kids were growing up and learning how to drive, and anybody that knows that don't know how to drive, stay away from the truck. Do not get behind the truck and ride behind them. Don't get on the side of them and ride beside them because one of those tires blow, and, and they're going to they're gonna, rip their fender off their trailer or their truck and that piece of rubber that comes off that truck or trailer is going to hit your car right and you're and you're not you're not talking just a little chunk of a rubber you're talking something that probably weighs it's going to weigh 50 60 pounds and that can come through your windshield what have you i mean that's just yeah it's amazing people that will just get right beside you and ride so how far you know, back should you stay if you're driving behind somebody? Well, the the, the rules of the truck driving industry is uh, pick a fixed point on the highway. And um, when that, that back of that trailer goes by, you should be able to count at least five to six seconds mm-hmm. before you pass that point. That's a good safe distance, distance. And then on either side of the truck, just don't ride there. You know, put your foot on the gas. and No, and if I'm going around, I'm getting around you. I'm not going to ride beside you. You're riding, you're riding yeah. along beside those big, gigantic tires. And you know, I mean, you see the well, tires in the road. Well, I just never know if, like, something's going to happen and they're going to swerve. And then they're going to swerve into me. And they could because some car in front of them swerved in front of them. I mean, yeah. they're, it's just the way it happens. So what is a what is a full fully loaded uh, a rig weigh? Is it like... 65, 70,000 pounds, and it's definitely not going to stop as fast as a car can stop. Yeah. My fully loaded tanker, I can max out at 80,000 pounds. Oh, wow. That's a lot. So, and and then you got some special, you know, the oversized loads and everything out there, you know, they're they're heavier. That's why they got oversized permits. They just can't stop. These trucks just don't, they don't have the braking system. They're they're better than they have been. They've improved over the years, but they're still not. They're still not what they, we you know. Yeah, actually so. out here, we've seen those runaway ramps. Yeah, they have a lot of the runaway ramps yeah, out uh-huh, here. Where they can just, I guess, go off into the desert and hopefully yeah. stop out there. Yeah, if you go down a hill too fast and you start put, using your brakes a lot, there's a, there's a system on the truck called a uh, J-brake. And it's, closed, it's a brake on the engine, not, on, not, not physically brake like on your car. You you know trucks have them, but it, this one slows the engine down. And if you use your brakes too much, you burn your brakes up, and then you're, you you don't have any brakes. 
the only way to stop us to go up one of those uh, runaway truck ramps. Right. So that when you and see those signs, say, I've seen before that it says like no engine braking. Is that what you're talking about? Yep. Yep. They want, uh, especially like if you're close to houses and everything. Okay. They want it's you to back back in the back in the you know seventies, eighties, nineties, even two thousands. These trucks. You, you when you when you're driving on the highway and you hear that truck make that real loud noise. Right. That's their jaybreak, and 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 that's the problem with a lot of these people. That the younger generation, they just love to hear that. Hear that. You can see them with the double stacks that are you know five feet above the sleeper. <laughs> yeah. It's up in the middle of their you know they gotta they gotta put their hand you know two feet up in the air on their gear shift. This is ridiculous stuff. This is this is what the generation is turning into. Well, I have a question. So. I've been behind some trucks before, and you know how they have those way stations. Well, there might be four trucks, and three of them will get off, and the other one won't. Is that illegal? No, we have a we have a a device in our truck, and it's it's basically it's tied in with prepasses that we can use on the on the toll roads and stuff. But it uh, it blinks green if you're good to go. You don't have to stop at the way station. Oh, if it blinks red. And you and you don't stop, they will come after you and give you a, a hefty uh, ticket. So they will but come after. They will come after you if you are supposed to stop. I mean, it's you don't yeah, just get F- to keep going. No, no. They uh, if there's not a state trooper in the in the scale house, the, the scale master will call call a state trooper and say, "Hey, I got this truck that didn't stop," and they'll chase you down. You know, might be ten, fifteen miles up the road, but they'll get you. So if you if you were to run past one of those as you're driving along, you pretty much just know keep an eye on the rear view because they're coming. They're they're looking for yeah. me. But it's something only you can see in your truck to let you know if you're good to go on past it yeah, or not. Yeah, that is correct. Okay. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know they had that. Did you? No, no, we didn't know that. No, I, I was thinking that truck. No, no. That truck there's doing something no. illegal. <laughs> Do you have any more issues than than from like the troopers and stuff than a car? I mean, are they are they looking for you? Yeah, they they it's 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 kind of a bad thing because we we do do a double edged sword because we have a CDL on our license. Right. If we get pulled over ticket, we have to deal with with getting points on our license, our company finding out, and then punishing you. Um, your insurance rates going up. And then if you get a car, if you get a ticket in your own personal vehicle, it's the same thing. It, I get the same treatment. So if I'm if I'm in Mississippi and I get pulled over, you know, get stopped for speeding or something, you know, even if it's three or four miles an hour, you're going through a little town, and so now I'm having to hire a lawyer that's going to cost me a thousand fifteen hundred dollars to go to court for me because either that or I got to take a couple of days, you know, a day off work, drive down there and go to court. Right. Do you have to get your own insurance? I was going to ask that. No. Well, as a, as a uh, company guy, no. I don't I do not do any maintenance to the truck. I don't do, you know, I don't pay for the fuel. Right. Uh, they pay for everything. I just drive it. Let me ask you this. This goes along with the world today. And, and even though you don't pay for the fuel, you put the fuel in it. What is it costing to fill that thing up? Um, I could put in about 120 gallons. It's around 650 bucks. Oh wow! Yeah, and, and, that's, they, and, and I'm driving probably eight, eight, nine hundred miles on that. And um, what? And like, uh, what's the mileage like on those things? Um, if you keep your truck in good shape, they're usually riding five to six miles per gallon. 
Oh, wait, gee, what was five that? Five to seventy. <laughs> five to seventy. You complain about your thirty-five. Oh Lord! Wow. And then you well, you, know, you put this fuel in this tank, and who do you think's paying for it? It's it's, it's everybody. We're all paying for it because they deliver they deliver a load to Walmart, and their prices go up because the fuel pro- the fuel prices are up. Right. We do appreciate the truck drivers, even though I've made a lot and made a couple of jokes or yeah, whatever. Yeah, that's what but, we were saying. We know, really do. The trucks are important because if they don't, if they don't, if they're not on the road delivering their goods, and that's important. And I'm I hungry like to all eat. The time. Me yeah. too. Yeah, we like food. <laughs> <laughs> so, I do have one yeah. more thing about a four wheeler. Okay. Learn how to merge onto the highway. Because we try to get over, most drivers, most trucks will try to get over into the next lane to let you come on the highway. We understand that the, the ramp is short, but if you're driving a, if you're driving a Mustang or a Camaro, or BMW, Porsche, whatever, don't come off that that that, that, that exit ramp going 45 miles an hour and expect to stop and let you in. Because either one or ten things are going to happen. You either going to run out of room and and you're going to be driving on the shoulder because I'm not going to let you over, or you're going to put your foot on the gas, and you're going to jump in front of me, or put your foot on the brake and get in behind me. Yeah. But yeah. Don't expect me to stop on the highway to let you in. Don't I, Dana, can't, mm-hmm. I he preach tells, that to yeah. Dana all the time. I tell no. her, you when you're getting on that road, get up to the speed of that yep. traffic. Don't, you know, you've got to get to their speed where you can merge right in with them. <laughs> Now, I'll tell you one thing yeah. we've been seeing in Vegas recently, and it's going to cause a bad accident. People driving with no headlights. Yeah, we don't, they don't turn headlights on a whole lot out here. I, I guess they figure the there's oh, yeah. so many lights that, <laughs> that they don't need headlights. A snowstorm, rainstorm, whatever, whatever, you know, I'll look in my mirror and, and there'll be a, a black car or silver car, you know, a quarter of a mile behind me with no lights on, and you can't see them. Yeah. And another thing which you may have seen on the news, Vegas is constantly having drivers now that are doing over 100 miles an mm-hmm. hour. They are flying out here. Yep. And I'm sure it's like that. You see that all the time where, you know, they're just flying past you. Yeah, most people, the, the, the speed on the highway is is ridiculous. They, you know, they'll get in that fast lane and as long as nobody over there, they're, they're, they're going as fast as they want to. Yeah, that's you Uncle know. Si. Remember what did Uncle Si say about the speed limit? Oh, that's just a suggestion. Yeah. <laughs> What's the DOT requirements for a, uh, for a commercial truck driver? Because uh, you guys are professional and you're on the road all the time. I'm, I'm sure you guys have uh, requirements. Oh, we got it. We got a crap load of requirements. I mean... We we have to worry about you know that load getting it getting it to the to the customer on time safely. Then we got to worry about you know everybody around us on the road. You know it only takes it only takes a, a screw up and somebody hits you and you know flip you know you, the trucks are not that hard to roll over on their side. A tanker. I'm talking. About, I'm talking about you got an annual exam, right? You have to take. Oh, so many. Uh, yeah, like a physical. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Once a year. Well, as long as you don't have any health issues like being a diabetic, uh, high blood pressure, um, anything like that, then you take a physical every two years. You're 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 good to go. But if you have any of those issues, you take it. Uh, you go in once a year, and they do a do a physical on you. And if you're not, uh, if they find something wrong, that's not they can't do anything 
about it at that time, then they fail you, and you're basically out of work. So if they fail until, you, it's over. It, I mean, you you can't drive until you pass whatever it was. Right, right. If uh, you know if your if your eyesight's bad or your you know you're a diabetic and your blood you know, your you know blood sugar's out of whack or whatever, then they they ground you. Okay. And uh, until so you get to, so that's reason to have respect for truck drivers that are on the road. Yeah. I mean, we sat here. I know we we were putting a lot of the truck drivers down earlier, but but those are look. We're just trying to address things that you know people deal with every day. You have been, we have. I mean, it, this stuff happens, but at the same time, we do appreciate what the truck drivers do. Without them, of we'd course. be screwed. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but uh, you know, it's just like like Steve was saying. I mean, there. I think it's just there are some that just. Uh, just, just don't have a lot of respect. They really don't care. Hey, Ben, do you remember this story that happened in Florida? It was like a group of kids, maybe, I don't know, um, five or six kids that were in the car and they were driving to school and this truck driver hit them. Um, I think he had, they said he had went so many hours without sleep and didn't, you know, take his time to rest. Anyway, he hit him from behind. Yeah, yeah and like, all yeah, I remember the- all the kids ended up dying, I think. And then when the grand, I can't remember if it was the grandfather or the grandmother, when they heard about it, they had a heart attack and died as well. Yeah, but that truck driver ended up getting arrested, didn't he? I don't know what happened to yeah. him. Yeah, they'll, like, they'll, they'll, put some, they'll put a driver like that, they'll convict him of, uh, you know, involuntary manslaughter. And they'll spend the rest of their life in prison. Um, but but you know what? It, but it it should be. I mean, there are laws, there are rules. I mean, it, you can't get out there and drive for twenty hours straight. I mean, I'm sorry. You know, if something like that happens, that's why they had a logbook on on their wages. That that you know, well, I got to work that much to, to to make a living. Well, you know, if you got to work that much to make a living, then you have issues with your driving record. Because I don't have to work that much. Right. Um, after, after between 10 and 11 hours of my driving, I'm done. I'm ready to pull it over, get get a get a dinner, um, watch a little TV, and, and go to bed. Yeah. Um, I have hey, no Steve, hey, Steve, that much. Hey, Steve, I want to ask you a question. Do you think Do you think that the truck drivers are able to fake their logbooks anymore? Because no. uh, I know you mentioned earlier they have electronic logbooks or is everybody required to have electronic logbooks? Yeah, as of uh, I think it was a couple years ago, they they made it mandatory. Owner operators, company drivers, they're all they all have these ELDs, and, and you can run them off your cell phone. Um, I have a handheld in my truck that it's like a, just like a cell phone, but it tracks everything, and you can't cheat it. You can't you can't back in the old day when you had to you had the paper log and you could fudge it and drive from California to, to New York and, and never, never sleep. Um, it, hmm. those days are over. I mean, that's good to know. That's good to know. Yeah. That's the way it should be. Companies come down on drivers that, that, that violate it. I mean, every once in a while you get caught out and you might be five, 10 minutes over. It's still against the law. If you, if I was to have an accident, when my time was up, even though I'm I'm five minutes from my yard, and and there's an accident, I'm going to be blamed for it. And doesn't matter if the person in a car was drunk, and they come across the center line and hit me head on and they killed them, I'm still at fault because I shouldn't have been there. Oh, 
So you really got to pay attention to okay. this stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you, you can't. And, and then some companies are stricter than others. I mean, um, that's just the way it is. I'm I, Like I said, I, I've been, the way I drive, I know where I'm going. So I plan out my trip, you know, and, and it pretty much stays stays to the point. Unless I run into backup of a construction or you know, an accident or something. Yeah. So you go to the same area or areas, I guess, every week or whatever? Yeah, that, that's basically it. And because I've been doing dealing with this company that I'm, I haul for for 12 years now. And so I, I know all the customers. I know where I'm going. And I just plan my trip out. And um, I know where I'm going to stay at that night. And sometimes it doesn't work out, and you got to stop early because just because of traffic, you got hung up in construction. But they pay me; they pay me to stay out of my truck every night. So hey, that I mean, works. That works for me. Yeah. yeah, I can make a couple hundred bucks a week more to just staying in my truck if I need. To. They don't. Pay, they don't pay you to sit at a casino, a slot machine, do they, Dana? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm gonna tell you what. A lot of those little truck stops got slot machines in them. <laughs> I know that there was one up in Reno up there that uh, mm-hmm. the, the Dana Alamo. the Dana visited quite a few times. A Petro, uh-huh. and uh, it's nothing but a little restaurant, and it's it's a truck stop. And hey, Ben, it's full of casino. It's full of slots in there, mm-hmm. and those truck drivers were playing. They have everything. They have the beauty salon. The, yeah. You can do your laundry there. Take a shower. Take a shower. Where yep. you go? You go to the truck stop in, uh, I think it's Iowa. Iowa, they, they, they say they're the biggest truck stop in the world. And you have a, you have theaters there, you have restaurants, you have a truck museum. Oh, wow. And El, it's Elkhart, yeah, Elkhart El, I think it's Elkhart, Iowa. And, um, yeah, I mean, you, you can go do anything. I mean, there's a Indian reservation truck stop down in uh, close to Mobile, Alabama. You stop there that night, they got a bus that will come pick you up and take you to the casino. Now, are you run. talking about Atmore? Yeah, he's talking about down near uh-huh. Atmore, down Atmore. there, down near Mobile. Yep, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, we know that one. Yeah, we, Dana knows, <laughs> Ben, Dana knows them all. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't mess with them because I, you know, I don't like losing my money, but, you know, I, um, I mean, I've, I've got a routine when I stop by night and I know, you know, yeah, I just take it. You know, get my rest, and I'm ready for the next day. Steve, man, we really do appreciate you being on the show and giving us all this information. And hopefully uh, everybody will just drive better. Use some common sense. You really ain't in that big a hurry. You don't need to do 100 miles an hour. Um, have a little patience. Be polite and courteous. And we'll all, we'll all yeah, travel exactly. down the road together. Yep. We only have one life to live, right? That's it. And, uh, you know, I don't want it to end getting smashed by a, a big truck because that's going to be a messy end of my life. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me, all right, yeah. Steve, while we got you on the phone, then let's, let's just switch gears real quickly. We're not going to stay on this long, but, you know, and I have no idea what Steve's going to say about this because I don't know his opinion. But, Steve, can you name three things, three good things Joe Biden has done for this country? No. <laughs> I was going to say, where's not our little long. cricket button? Okay, <laughs> well, he fits right in with us then, doesn't he? <laughs> All right. You've already asked me that. I wasn't the biggest Trump supporter because I just didn't, you know, the way his past is and his all of his, you know, uh, misconduct things that's going on with women for years and his business dealings. But he did by far better than what this man in office is. I just, I can't believe 
that they put him there. Absolutely. I mean, it's like, I, I know I've told Dana, I'm not a huge, I'm not really a huge Trump fan. Trump, I believe in real life, Trump is probably an asshole. He's just not somebody I'd get along with. But he did come in and do some things I didn't think he would. He did put America first. He did look out for us over all these other countries. And and that that is what we need. Yeah, exactly. I, I totally agree. This guy doesn't seem to be, you know, want to do anything. He He just, it, it, it's sad to see our country going to this this situation, and it, it, it just it trickles down to everything. All right, Steve, we appreciate yep. you joining us today. All right, thank you very much for having me. And and again, like, even though we we talked about what we didn't like, we actually do appreciate everything you do. Appreciate it. I, I thank you very much. Thank you. Well, there you go. We want to thank you for joining us for our Tuesday edition of our chat online. I'm losing track of what episode number it is. It could be like 10 or 9. I'm not even sure anymore. But it doesn't matter. They're all at our website, ourchatonline.com. You can also hear our podcast every week, both at uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon. It's at all those places. Or ourchatonline.com. Yeah, that's what I said. Oh, I didn't hear you say it. Yeah, because you're not paying attention to me at all. Nobody ever does, but it's okay. Um, but anyway, so hopefully you'll join us again. We'll have another one on Friday. We're working on that one already. If you want to be a guest, there's a phone number you can call us at, but Dana's going to have no clue what it is. I do know it. What 702-518-9717. You can call that number. It is an automatic, you know, little automated voicemail thing. And when you call it, just leave a voicemail. If you don't actually want to be on the show, you know, but you have... A, something you want to say about it or you have a question or a comment you can leave it on the voicemail we'll get that on the show so our chat 2022 at gmail.com is a way to reach us through email if you'd prefer email we welcome you to come on our show and talk about whatever it is you want to talk about we'll we'll talk about it definitely got to thank uh, ben he's with us every week we want to thank cindy this week our breast cancer survivor and she's doing well And we also want to thank Steve. He's our big truck driver who gave us some tips on how to avoid getting killed and smashed by a big truck on the road. And we got to ask him some important questions we wanted answers to as well. Thank you for joining us. Dana, we'll do it again. Sounds good. And we'll be back with a new episode on Friday night, our chat online.